Okay, guys, welcome back to another episode of Step Back Sisterhood. This is a Saturday edition because we have a special guest. And also one of our Step Back Sisters got to do something very, very interesting last weekend. Before we get started, I want to introduce myself. I'm the host today. I am Amber Vickers. I am joined by Tara, Brittany, Janelle, and our special guest, Nat. Now, Janelle, I have a question for you about All-Star Weekend because that was huge that you got the credentials to do All-Star Weekend and you got to interview one of your favorite players to watch. So what are your feelings about how you perceived All-Star Weekend? Did you perceive it any differently because you got to interview the players or did you just look at the weekend the same? I kind of looked at the weekend, well, not really the same because, you know, I, I got got the credentials because how can you look at it the same? But I'm just and all about the way I got those credentials. And, you know, I write for 1511 people, as you may know, but the ba- basketballnews.com, we have a Slack and we have a group chat and one of the editors was talking about, you know, if somebody wanting a link and we have like clubhouse viewing things. And I thought it, that was what he was talking about. But I opened my email and boom, credentials. And, you know, the list of all the all-stars right there. I was shocked because I, I wasn't really expecting that. I was expecting like sitting in a clubhouse, you know, but it it was an experience and it served as motivation to keep going because I've I've been writing about sports and specifically basketball for about, I'm thinking going on four or five years right now. And it's been a struggle. It's been a climb. And to get to that level, to where you're in a room with folks such as David Aldridge, local outlets, national outlets, and you're right in the midst of that, that's let me know that I'm doing something right and that I got to keep going. And do everything in my power to make this a regular occurrence. Very dope. Proud of you. I I, I bust my ass and everybody knows that. So what was it like? It, it was it was just like just a regular scrum. No different than what you would see on TV. You know, even though it was uh, Zoom, but it's the the energy and the vibe is still the same. For those who haven't really watched the scrums, how are those usually done? Uh, they're well f- for. Zoom, they're done in order. You know, you, you raise your hand and the host, which is like the PR person will, you know, pick on you and, and you ask the question very orderly. Well, mine was at least. You know, I've been thinking about since this pandemic that the and the online scrums, I kind of wonder if it helps you know, some people who maybe weren't always pushing, pushing, pushing their way to the front, get their voices heard or get their questions answered a little bit more. Like how long were you there asking, were people there asking questions? I think that whole, I think Steph's presser was like, maybe at least if I I remember about 20, 20 to 25 minutes. And, you know, I've, I've done observing because, you know, you don't want to be embarrassed. You don't want to get caught out there asking stupid questions. And the beauty of the scrums is you could get a story when you observe. Like that quote where he says, I ain't got nothing to prove to anybody. Or, you know, I have a lot to accomplish. I don't have anything to prove. That was big. And what I tried to do, I was, you know, tweeting what he was saying, you know, to Twitter and and relate it. And that, that was hard. That was the hardest part. And I don't see how others do it. But, you know, that's pretty hard. Is there anything that 
you didn't get to ask that you wanted to ask? A friend of mine, her name is Dorothy Gentry. Um, she asked, she asked the question to, you know, where that quote went viral. And, and I, it was funny. She she covers the Mavericks and ended up calling him Luca. But Steph played it off. It, you know, it was she's been in the Mavs locker room sure. so long that sure. she, like she 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 called him Luca. And, but Steph kept rolling. And she asked Amazing. that question, you know, what drives you? That's what I wanted to ask, but she ended up asking it because it wasn't really about the game itself, per se. I mean, you know, the game was the game, you know, when nobody in there asking about strategy or whatnot, but just the experience. Most of those questions about how was it like playing with LeBron? And another question I, I thought about asking was, you know, and this question will be to the forefront as the season progresses about his free agency coming up in 2022. Oh my gosh. I've decided to, to um, choose violence per se. Yes. Um, you trying to start the drama they used to do with Katie? No, no, I'm not trying to start any drama, but as the season progresses and, and the way that things are, I mean, it's worth a discussion. Oh, of course it is. Knowing, well, I don't know Steph, so I guess I shouldn't say knowing Steph, but I imagine just the person who he's shown us to be that he'll probably be pretty diplomatic with any answer. So I doubt you'll get anything. It's definitely a question worth asking, but. um. And I, I decided to leave it alone. I'm like, uh, I won't make people happy. <laughs> <laughs> you see Dub's Twitter gets upset anytime someone even suggests he might leave, which I think is ridiculous to think that, but you know, people. I mean, live I in mean it's like, like I said, and w- what we'll get into is, you, you know what it is with, with management and Coach Kerr. And I mean, you know, why why get upset? Did you feel that any journalist during the all-star scrums that you either participated in or watched asked any hard-hitting questions or were they just mostly um, just like softball? Yeah, Softball, talking about what was it like playing with LeBron and most of those questions were, were about that, about LeBron and also about the dunks that, you know, he and Dame and CP3 did, you know, just just really light, light stuff. Yeah. So I don't even see a, a possibility to actually ask those questions unless you just want it to be. I mean, I don't want to necessarily say dramatic, but I, I feel like there's like it's not probably not the right time to be. asking. Right, and that's why I didn't ask it. <laughs> I thought it, but I didn't ask it. Sounds like you made the right decision in that circumstance. Yep, I did. All right. But it's, it's better to go in to observe. And if, if you got a question, ask it. But, you know, observing is, isn't, bad, isn't that bad either. All right, Janelle, you can take it away. Yes, I am proud to introduce to you one of my favorite followers on Twitter. She is really knowledgeable about the NBA and all things Dub Nation. I'd like to welcome Nat to the show. Nat, how you doing tonight? Hey, girl. Thanks for having me. Everyone, thanks for having me. Um, I'm I'm flattered. <laughs> I didn't know that I'm one of the people you like to follow. I mean, we, we engage a lot, so you're definitely one of my girls, but I always feel flattered when people say something like that or call me knowledgeable since I did not play basketball. I'm just a huge fan as a cheerleader, you know, so <laughs> that's how I used to watch the games, but um, definitely have been a junkie most of my life. What got you into watching basketball? 
my brother, <laughs> you know, when you're young, I mean, I think most kids when they're young, they kind of look up to their older sibling. And if you have a sister, the experience is probably different than if you have a brother, but I had a brother. So I was a bit of a tomboy and, um, he didn't have a little brother. So all the things that a big brother might do with a little brother, he made me do. So wrestling, basketball, football, all of it. So yeah, like whoever he liked, I liked, you know, so it really wasn't until I got older that I kind of started forming my own opinion. But back then, like we were a Magic Johnson Lakers family. I don't know that I was really a Lakers fan, but I was a Magic Johnson fan and he was on the Lakers. So therefore I love the Lakers. And at the time I lived in Florida. So before I'm like dating myself here, but it was before the Miami Heat existed and before there was any Orlando Magic. So you live in a state that doesn't have a team. You just kind of pick teams. I'm originally from New York. So I did like, you know, the I liked Ewing and the Knicks and everyone loved Michael Jordan, but I don't know. Magic was just our guy. It was my brother's guy. So it was my guy. And you know, um, ever since then, I've, I've loved basketball. It was always my main sport. Even like I mentioned, I was a cheerleader, but like I never cheered for the football players. Like there was a football cheerleading squad and a, a basketball squad. And I always only did basketball. I was like, ah. so um, I just always had like a different kind of love for for basketball. You sound like me and you're not dating yourself at all. We're, we're about to we're about in that same bracket, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, I, I don't have any brothers or anything, but I did grow up around a block full of boys. And I did what they did. Played, I played basketball. I played football with them. And that's how I grew to love basketball. My, my dad even played basketball. And that's how it started for me. I mean, just like that. Yeah. And now I'm so glad for platforms like Twitter. That's actually why I joined Twitter because there's no one in my life. Of course, I mean, I know people that love hoops, but you know, it's like casual fans, you know what I mean? Um, but I was, I'm a junkie and I'm a nerd and I like everything NBA, I live, breathe, you know, breathe it. So I was just like, I need to be able to find people who are as psycho about hoops as I am. And I was late to Twitter, but that's why I eventually joined because I just maybe like one or two of my friends who were kind of like sports crazy. I'd always just be texting them stuff, you know, or some of the guys at work, I'd be having like debates with them, you know. I mean, it got to the point that some of my girls, one of my friends was like, can you teach me about basketball so I can watch it with my <laughs> with her um boyfriend at the time. So I was just like, I really need people who love it like I do. And I decided to join Twitter. It's like, it's the best thing I ever did, although they're crazy and they aggravate me at times, but it's still, it's like, it's, I feel like I'm with my people <laughs> when I'm on there. <laughs> and I, and, and I love that. I love that about, you know, Twitter community. Cause I joined back in college and I haven't looked back since. So I've been on Twitter for about I think 10 years. I've actually been on Twitter for 10 years. Wow. Um, but that kind of shows my age a little bit, but it's okay. <laughs> because I grew up the only child. I didn't have any brothers and sisters either. And I had cousins, but I played every sport known to man. And I was a tomboy. So basketball has just kind of been in my blood as well. First love is football, but a lot of people don't know that. So shh, don't tell anybody. <laughs> my question for you would be, how is Dubs Nation and Janelle, you probably can get in on this too. How is Dub Na Dub's Nation feeling about Coach Kerr? Because 
the people that I follow have not been very happy with him. So I want to know how is Dubs Nation feeling about Coach Kerr and his coaching style this season? That's a question for me. <laughs> yeah, that's a question for you. That's a question for you. And I know Janelle's going to chime in. So <laughs> that's I mean, a question for you. <laughs> it is no secret that I cannot stand Steve Kerr. Um, I think people who maybe don't follow the Warriors closely, or if you don't have a lot of Golden State Warriors um, people who are like on your timeline, they think that it's a this year thing that we're mad at Kerr. But most most of Dub Nation, I shouldn't say most because we have to always remember that Twitter is not really reflective of the world. It can feel like it is, but it's really not. But a large portion of, of Dub's Twitter does not like Steve Kerr, you know, and there, there are different degrees. There's, you know, I see this nuance people are trying to make now, like, I mean, he's not a bad coach, but he's very flawed. And I'm just like, whatever, like the result is the same. So like, who cares? That's like, it's just, you know, a difference, uh, a distinction without a difference to me, but you know, he, Kerr, he's a very stubborn coach. He, he takes kind of his basketball philosophies from pop, and from from Phil Jackson and some people can like kind of conflate those and think they're the same but they're they're not the same not the two people um so yes there's similarities in principles like ball movement right and motion offense and things like that but in terms of the the way that Kerr coaches and his style it's 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 really more like Phil Jackson and so you know doing things to like punish the players, doing things to prove a point. The way Phil Jackson was so like gung-ho on the triangle and, you know, you just couldn't do anything else. Kerr is wedded to his philosophies, to what he does. He's rigid, you know, like there's a certain way he does his rotations. He will not change them. You know, um, he's just very stuck to, to what he does. And so, Obviously, when he first came into Golden State, you know, I do think there's a bit of overcrediting to Kerr. Yes, he did introduce a new system. And people will always be like, oh, look what he did. You know, he made Steph this and look at what he did for the Warriors. And, you know, I think coaches in general sometimes are like overcredited. But, you know, people say that. And I really think those are people who probably weren't watching the Warriors that much, honestly, before Steve Kerr came. So that system was really, in my opinion, beneficial to all the other players not named Stephen Curry, right? Like people kind of ignore where his trajectory was going anywhere, anyway, that he was like kind of getting close to his prime. You know, the year before he was like a borderline all-star, it was close. So, you know, would he have become an MVP without Kerr? I don't know, but like, his trajectory was going up anyway, but what that system did was like unlock the others. And, you know, he took an offense that was somewhat, you know, elementary and, and made it better. So yes, he should get credit for that. Um, but that was also several years ago. And that system was designed for the players who were on the squad at that time. And one thing to Pop's benefit, even though he doesn't like threes or he doesn't like certain things, he has grown with the NBA and he adapts to his personnel. That is not Steve Kerr. So what he ran then is what he wants to run right now. And these players are not those players. And what's unfortunate about that is that then when those players don't look good in the system, they get dragged and people don't take into account because who did, 
how dare you question Steve Kerr, right? This man who has all these rings, you know, how dare you, you know? And it's always easier to just look at the on-court product and say, oh, this player is bad. They're a scrub, get them out of here and not look deeper. You know, I would, I would make the argument that Wiseman struggles the way he looks is because of the way that the Warriors are trying to use them in their system. I would also say that Kelly Oubre, a lot of his struggles are more related to trying to fit into the system, you know, and even um, Wiggins, you know, like it, it kind of frustrates me a little bit because I hear everyone saying like, oh, he's reverted to Minnesota Wiggins. And I don't really think that's accurate if you dig like a little deeper into the numbers and kind of like compare situations, but it's just a lot easier to drag players than it is to, to consider what other things might be wrong. So I'm sure Steve Kerr knows more about basketball than I will ever know in my lifetime, obviously, but he's not, he's not perfect. You know, he's, he is very flawed. I agree with that statement. And I don't think, I don't think he's the right coach for this warrior squad. Now, they're obviously going to make upgrades at some point, um, meaning whether it's trades this year or, you know, Clay's going to come back and they'll do things in this offseason. So maybe this year will end up not mattering. But I doubt it because, like I said, we've had issues with Steve Kerr before this year. And I just feel that this year has kind of shown, you know, put a spotlight on what his flaws are because there's less talent right? It's a less talented team. You don't have Kevin Durant anymore. You only have Stephen Curry clays out. And so his flaws are much more glaring now. You know, he had a lot of talents to, to cover that up. So I'm going to stop there because I feel like I was talking for a minute, but that that's where I am on Steve Kerr. Now that was, that was awesome. And that, that is exactly how I feel. And, you know, what's really telling is that, you know, a lot of fans of the you know of the warriors don't want much but just to for him to adapt ad, just adapt to the roster that he has and win as many games as they can while they can instead of you know talking about not chasing wins or you know internal development or what have you and i don't think that's too much to ask and what do you think about their media the the local media criticizing fans you know, was that actually a question or, or is it rhetorical? Sorry. No, that was a question. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, it's to me, it's really like absurd, you know, um, look, local media is always known to be more homers, right. In general, but they're, Look, I think one thing to keep in mind is that Steve Kerr used to be a part of the media. So he has a lot of good relationships, right? I'd imagine that whenever his his tenure as a coach is done, he might probably end up back in the media. Or I don't know, maybe he ends up like in a front office. I don't know. But he has a lot of relationships there. So I think people in general are not inclined to um, to criticize him. You know, like when when if you hear a lot of Dubs fans talk, we, a lot of us are still mad about how he coached game seven of the 2016 finals. And I only heard one person in the media ever criticize him for that. And that was Amin Al-Hassan. Is that how I say it? And I think that's because he used to be in Phoenix with Kerr. So he was probably comfortable doing it, but no one else talked about it. And Amin made so many good points. He's like, Azili? Like, what are you doing? You know, he, he didn't like, do it in a negative way, but he definitely called into question Kerr's coaching during that game, which should have been the case. 
And so that's not something the local media will do. You know, instead they'll say, and look, even when the Warriors were winning, Dub Nation had a tendency to be like, you know, complain about everything. They, that team had a tendency to like turn over the ball a lot. Some of the old teams, they, they did often sometimes let themselves get into deficits and then have to dig themselves out. But when you have the Splash Bros and KD, they could do that in like five or six minutes. But still watching the games, it could be infuriating. And even in you think about like year four, year five of the dynasty, by the fifth year, they were tired, they were exhausted. So when they got on the court, they didn't always put out their best effort. And like sometimes you could see that as a fan and that would get people frustrated. So I get saying sometimes that we overreact, but this is not overreacting right now. And their inability to like any any constructive criticism to even do it, it it's somewhat frustrating and to turn that around on fans, fans who you need to read your work, to watch your shows that you turn around and kind of like mock us and condescend to us. I don't, I don't really think that's cool. So, um, you know, they allow him, they, they throw him softball questions. They allow him to, to straw man things. So like, they'll ask a question and he'll like make it into an argument that no one's even making. Like the whole thing about Steph's minutes, you know, I think Anthony Slater asked him about playing Steph more minutes and bringing him back earlier in the fourth. And he's just like, look, that's how the whole chasing wins thing came about because um, he was like, I'm not going to play him like 40 minutes and, you know, we're not going to do that. You know, I'm not going to chase wins. And, you know, people got rightfully upset. I'm like, what the hell? Like, if you're not chasing wins, then what are we doing? And it was a ridiculous question because if Steph comes in the game one to two minutes early, that's not going to equal one him playing 40 minutes. And it's always going to balance itself out because you're going to have games where he doesn't have to do that. And if you think in particular about this season, right, if, if you stay in the eighth seed or where they are right now at 10th, you do still have a shot at the playoffs. But when the season ends, you're going to have to play three extra games anyway. Right. So all of that not chasing wins is going to maybe cost you three extra games, whereas like one to two extra minutes over the course of the season only totals one extra game. Right. So. And he knows that, like, so I know he knows that, but the way he responded to that question to say, oh, I'm not going to play in 40 minutes, which is not what was asked, then it made it seem justified in what he's saying. Because of course, nobody wants Steph out there, you know, 40 minutes and, and, and doing what Tibbs does and like overworking his players. So, you know, he knows how to work the media and, and, and they eat it up and it's always cursed so brilliant. So it's kind of like a frustrating dynamic. So is it just more that because of the season and last season not being as fruitful as what everyone suspected it to be is causing, you know, sort of this tear between like folks who really want him gone and folks giving him the benefit of doubt for one more year? Or do you think it's just something that will, you know, if the Warriors get above like the seventh or sixth seed, a lot of this will sort of be ignored? it will. I mean, not for me, because I <laughs> I haven't liked Kerr from the 2016 finals, game seven. So, um, but, and that also comes down to your personality, right? So I am, I am a process person. I don't like process. That's funny, but 
so it's weird when I say that, but I'm a process person in that I will never just look at the results of something and because they turn out good, be like, yep, it's great, right? I'm going to look at the process to get there because if your process is flawed to get there, eventually that's going to all crumble. And so, like I said, that's what I think is happening this year and what's glaring with, with Kerr. Because I mean, if you think about when Katie was on the team, right? There was a period when Steph had got hurt and there was like a stretch of games and the Warriors were like just a 500 team over that stretch. A team that still had Raymond Green, Clay Thompson, and Kevin Durant. That doesn't make sense. That should not be, right? And so it got the media saying, oh, you know, through the, you know, the national media who, you know, they're just lazy and don't pay attention to much. Oh, can Kevin Durant do it? The Warriors aren't good without Steph. And and they they're of course they're not as good without Steph. But Kevin Durant is still there. Look at the Nets right now without Kevin Durant and how they're still thriving, right? And it's because of the way Kerr has constructed the system to work, right? That even a player like Kevin Durant wasn't looking at his greatest, right? And a lot of that has to do with how much the ball is in Draymond's hands. And um, that's what that whole blow up was about between Katie and, and Draymond. And, you know, a lot of Warriors fans don't want to confront that because we, you know, we love Dre, he's beloved, but that's, that's a large part of the issue, you know, that the ball is in his hands so much. So yes, when the winning starts again and it will happen again, people are going to overlook it and say, see, so it will give him an out, but I don't think that it should. Um, But I think that's what will ultimately happen now. For some reason, if they don't make the playoffs, I, I, I don't know how well that's going to go over. Um, and I think right now the organization is banking a lot on Clay coming back. And so part of the reason they need to make the playoffs and actually do well is because if they don't make the playoffs, Clay's coming off two injuries. Why would free agents be like, yeah, I'm going to go to the Warriors because no one knows what 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 Clay is going to look like. Right. No one has any clue. So they have to at least look like they're a team that's just like a couple of pieces away again, you know, or you're not going to get people to come there. So it's it's a it's a fine line that Kerr is walking. I do think there's a chance that this could lead to like more scrutiny of him. But if things do turn around, I think the you know people will like kind of dial it back, and they're just going to say, "See, see, it's just because he didn't have the players. Now he does, and they're doing better." So I think that would be kind of like a lazy analysis. But I do think that's what will happen. But I just want to be clear what my position is. It's not about this year. I like. And it's not just Kerr. The, the front office has some serious issues. The organization, they're, they're, the way that they um, scout talent, they're not good at it. <laughs> they don't develop well um, to be, you know, to be, determined, to, to be determined when it comes to James Wiseman. Um, and, you know, people will say, well, what about Steph? What about Dre? What about Clay? Those all happened pre- the people in place right now. So the existing front office, the existing org, it's not all Kerr, but Kerr plus the org, they've just made a lot of bad choices. And so you're just seeing that all play out right now. 
Okay, so this is a really interesting discussion to me because, uh, as you can see from all the paraphernalia behind me, I'm a Blazer fan. Yeah. And <laughs> surprise. Uh, and there's a lot of talk, especially this season, about Stotts. And I'm trying to figure out where I feel about him because naturally I'm like totally loyal to the coach because I believe that that Stotts has gotten more out of this team than he had any right to for many, many years, um, that they always overperformed largely because of Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard is very loyal and very connected to his coach. And uh, just like in the history of – as everything that he said and everything that he's talked about, it seems clear to me that, uh, you know, Terry Stotts is, is Damien Lillard's coach and Damien Lillard wants him to be his coach. I'm wondering like what that relationship is between Steph and uh, Kerr, you know, is it, is it that kind of thing? Like, or has that always been super strong? Right. I mean, I'm not a Warriors insider, so I don't know. I know that, like, Steph really liked Mark Jackson, and that didn't stop them from getting rid of him. With that said, Steph is a different person now than he was at that time, so I'm sure he has a lot more weight. They're also in a phase where, like, they've, they've lost Kevin Durant. Clay is coming off these catastrophic injuries. If they were to lose Stephen Curry, like, it would be the end, so his leverage right now over everything plus just everything that he's done um, in terms of like the increased value of the franchise, just everything. Um, he's their moneymaker. So I think that he could probably definitely influence decisions a lot more. That said, um, Steph is a company guy, you know, so I don't know that he loves everything Kerr does. I don't know that he dislikes it. I really have no clue. Um, but I, he's not going to be the type of player, at least not openly to, you know, show that he's in disagreement or doesn't like something. Um, and I don't think he's ever going to be the type of person to like get his coach fired. Um, I do think that the fan base and I think the org takes Stefan for granted. And so you'll always hear people say things like, you know, oh, Steph doesn't care about this. He doesn't care about that because Kerr used to do some things sometimes with just the way he would like, you know, like when he went on radio and declared that Kevin Durant was the best player on the team and the people he was talking to at the time seemed even a little taken back and they were like trying to give him a chance to walk it back and they're like, you don't think Steph's going to have an issue with that? And he's just like, no. And if I did, you know, he he gave like some pompous, arrogant answer, you know, and so... You know, people will always say like things like that, like when he wasn't winning finals MVP. Oh, Steph doesn't care about that. None of that. None of that's true. Like he's not going to say it and he's not going to care about it to the point that he's going to chase individual awards over the benefit of the team. But Steph is an all time great. Right. Like that's what he is. And he cares about his legacy the same way LeBron James or anyone else does. He just goes about it differently. He's Tim Duncan. He's not Kobe Bryant in terms of the kind of leader he is. And so you're like, if he's going to make noise, you're not going to know about it. Like changes are just going to happen. But he but he does and he will. And there's always a point in time where he has a breaking point or something happens and you see it. So like the other night you saw him kind of like going off over by the bench 
right? And even if you look at like his his relationship, like with with Under Armour, you know, he's had issues with them in the past with the way they were making his sneakers, and so he started doing some stuff to let them know, and they had to make changes. And I mean, now he has his own sneaker, right? Like it's it's not under the UA name anymore. So I don't I don't think that Stephen Curry would put up with another season like this. Like he was out last year and I think he's still trying for this season. Just the other day he was talking about trying to get the four seed. So I don't think he's like, oh, this is a throwaway season. He started the season by saying, yes, look, Clay Thompson is a big loss to us, but like we still have a goal in mind. But I don't think he's going to be on board for this again. So I think he's going to be expecting very major things from the organization. And I think if they if that does not happen, we'll see. I think we'll see some more flexing from him or we'll eventually hear about it. Um, so so that's what I think. He didn't sign his extension. And there are a lot of Warriors fans who are like, oh, he didn't sign it because of this reason. And people don't usually sign it this early and they're just missing it. And Steph will never leave. And I remember people saying the same thing about Kevin Durant and OKC. I remember them saying the same thing about Kevin Durant here in Golden State. And I just think it's crazy to think that someone will never leave a situation if they are not getting what they want out of it. And so he could have signed the extension. He didn't. There's definitely a reason he didn't. So I think we just got to stay tuned and see. I definitely think that, you know, his his legacy is solidified. He doesn't need to do more. We we talked about that. Janelle just talked about that. He doesn't need to do win like three, four more championships. He's always deemed he's already deemed the greatest shooter ever. And people want to talk about his legacy because he struggled at the beginning of the season and People didn't think he was he was taking enough shots and you know the minutes and Steve Kerr trying to juggle the young guys. So this is new for Steve Kerr as well. Like he's trying to juggle young guys and also to get them to buy into a system, which Greg Popovich has done in San Antonio. You, you speak about coaching styles. He does come from that Greg Popovich tree. You see what Greg has done with the vets and the young guys. And San Antonio is a surprise team in the West this season. I'm very happy about that. I'm a Spurs fan, by the way. Um, but I live in Oklahoma, so I'm Oklahoma City Thunder fan. It's my hometown. Um, and when I think about Kerr, I think about Pop, of course. But I'm going to go somewhere different. I'm going to go somewhere different. I'm going to ask you, who do you think, which team do you think will not make the playoffs in the East and in the West? And it will surprise people. Um... I I don't know that it would surprise anybody for the West because I mean right now the West one through ten are legitimate playoff teams and I think that if Wood never got hurt on Houston they'd probably be another one too so like it's just bound to be that one of the teams are not going to make it so I think. Memphis is in the mix, but I think people are just going to expect Memphis not to make it. So, you know, you're talking about it either being the Warriors, the Mavs. Um, we'll see, like, if if the Spurs slip some more, um, you know. But I, I think people in their mind had the Mavs being better than they were this season. And I think people kind of expect the Blazers to be there. So, um Probably the biggest surprise would be the Mavs. And I only say that because of the way 
things were predicted going into the season, right? Like people had Luca as an MVP and blah, 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 blah. But there's, there's definitely, if you, if you look at the seating in the West, you know, unless like, and I've seen some people saying they think the Spurs are going to drop back. I don't, I'm always a believer in the Spurs. To me, I'm not surprised at all that they're doing well. And while Kerr does come from Popovich, he is not Popovich. And so there's a, there's a big difference. Um, Popovich adjusted for his, like he, his philosophy and his, his stuff stayed the same, but he adjusts for the personnel on his team, right? You don't see him forcing DeRozan to take a bunch of three pointers. Like he lets the mid range live on. And so um, that's why he's, that's why he's pop. So I think, you know, I think the teams to watch that are probably going to drop out, it's either going to be, of course, I'm never going to say Golden State because I'm a Golden State fan and I'm honestly a believer in pop. So I don't think it's going to be them. So I'm going to have to say, I think it's going to be the Mavs, but, you know, Memphis may surprise us and do something, but just based on the way it is, it's going to have to be like one of those bottom teams. And so I'm going to go with the Mavs in the East. that's that's harder um let's see who may drop out of the east maybe miami where where are they ranked right now miami they're four they're They're four four. yeah they're four they've won nine of their last ten yeah they're i mean they're kind of maybe indiana actually because when you're looking at the standings right now and Miami really was only struggling because they were dealing with COVID issues and people being out. Right. And so, and I don't even know if it would surprise anyone, but maybe Indiana because New York might sneak in. And, you know, we have to remember that there's going to be these play-in games, right? So the Knicks are sixth. Huh? The Knicks are sixth in the East. Right. There's, but I don't pay so much about, I don't pay so much attention to the seating because I look at the losses. The other thing too, I think this is one of the few years that we really have to say the record of a team may not really be who that team is because with the COVID and, and games and, and, and people not being able to play their full rosters and a lot of games were canceled for certain teams. So some teams are going to have to make up a lot of games in the second half of the season. I just, it's so unpredictable to me, but like, I think, I think Indiana is a better team than Charlotte and Atlanta, but you know, you have LaMelo ball doing a lot there. Atlanta right now is in the eighth spot, but you have Toronto and Indiana at nine or 10. So I think, I think Toronto, if they were to slip out and not make it, I think people would be surprised because they were just in it last year, right? And so that would be kind of like a really big step back for a team like that. So I'm going to go with the Mavs and I'm going to go with Toronto to answer your question. I know so, that was a tough question, but I'll just have to ask you. Go ahead, Brittany. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, you mentioned that, you know, you don't want to necessarily say that the Warriors will um, – not or miss the playoffs, but I would, you know, I have been saying that they probably would miss the playoffs, but I won't have you say that. Uh, my question is if they were to disappoint the season, however you would define disappoint, um, why would that occur? I mean, the only way I see that occurring is if the Warriors are not 
in 10th place. So meaning they fell out of 10th. So I, I guess what I'm saying is if they're in 10th place, they just have to do play in games. And if I'm betting on the Warriors or Memphis, like you're not going to convince me that Ja is going to outplay Steph. You know, like you're talking about, it just goes back to basketball rules. The team with the best player usually has the better chance, you know, because if you're eight through 10, even when you think about it, there's only four games right now that separate fifth place who are the Blazers, your squad versus where the Warriors are. So, and I know, I know the Blazers, I know you guys are missing people, but at least right now, all of these teams are comparable. So when it comes down to it, when I look at the other teams that are, are down there, I still think Stephen Curry is the top three player in the NBA. So if I have to bet on him or bet on one of the other team's stars, I'm betting on him. I'm betting on Draymond, a proven champion. Those guys have been there. They know how to handle the pressure. So I just don't see a way that they don't make the playoffs. Like they're just better. They have more experience. So that's, you know, so if they didn't make it, I think that would be like a massive failure. And I think that will not reflect well on her. And I, I did want to just touch on one thing. Um, earlier when i'm sorry is it Brittany who's the spurs fan no that's amber it was amber okay i'm sorry amber so when you were saying that like steph's legacy is good and you know that goes back to the quote that he made and janelle touched on it earlier no steph doesn't have to prove anything to anyone anymore but when you're an all-time great it's not about whether you have to it's just about building your legacy more at that point so i think some people kind of look at Steph as like oh like that the best shooter thing doesn't really mean anything like that's like water's wet we we know that right like you're you're at the point where now he's talking about moving into like you know, he's second to magic right now. At least that's how most people see him as a point guard. Magic is on Mount Rushmore, right? He's considered like one of the best ever in NBA history. So can he pass magic? Can he get there? Some people may say he can't, but that's what he's playing for right now. It's not to like prove that he's an all-time great. We already know that. Now he's playing to get up there with the great of greats, like the Tim Duncans and the others. So that's why his legacy still matters. That's why winning a couple of more rings still matter. That's why getting another MVP on his resume matters. Not because he has to prove that he's a great player, but now it's just to see where he ranks in the pantheon of NBA greats, if that makes sense. Realistically, where do you see the Warriors finishing this year? And what, uh, um, have your expectations skewed a bit? I mean, given, you know, where they are right now? Um, I still think the Warriors are going to finish top six. It's just not enough separation in games. And we always have to take into account things like strength of schedule. So I do think Denver is probably going to move up some more because they had like the hardest strength of schedule. But the Warriors were like in one of the teams, top teams with one of the harder schedules. So all these other teams that may have had lighter schedules, they're going to have to have their hard schedule at some point and they're going to start to lose games. You have teams dealing with injury. Just came out that AD is not going to be back for two more weeks. I don't know what the Lakers are going to do. Obviously, they still have LeBron James. So they're still obviously a threat, but they are definitely a much weaker team without AD, right? Like Indiana almost beat them the other night. We've seen other teams beat them. And so I think the Lakers are probably going to drop some more. 
And then I think like a team like Denver, now that their their load is going to lighten up and Jokic is playing like so great, they have the potential though to like move up. I think Phoenix is like one of the best teams right now. Like I would trust Phoenix before I trust Utah. Like as long as Chris Paul stays healthy, like I think Devin Booker has that quality in him to take his game to the next level in the postseason. We'll see it this year. But I think I think I think Phoenix is real. And so when you get to the lower teams, you're talking about, okay, San Antonio, you're talking about the Blazers, you're talking about the Mavs, you're talking about the Warriors. Um, I don't know who else is in there that I'm missing. Um, Memphis, some of these teams. So I don't know enough about um, the Spurs schedule. Maybe Amber, you can fill me in. And I don't know enough about the Blazers schedule to know if you guys have a lot of hard games coming up or not. Um, Yeah, Blazers have a really tough schedule coming up. Right. And you guys don't have CJ back yet. Yeah, but they they will get a lot better once uuh, Nurkic and CJ get back. But it's going to be a rough schedule. Right. Right. That's always the thing. Yeah. You actually brought up a very interesting um I guess remark when it comes to trusting the Suns more than you do Utah, though Utah has been around as a squad or at least the core, you know, duo of Rudy Gobert and, you know, that sort of tandem Conley and everyone else, they've been around for a while. I mean, I'm actually very, I I don't necessarily like to say that because I'm a, um, I never mentioned, but I'm a Rockets fan and I'm currently like really not, feeling good about them but uh why do you think that phoenix has so much more of a chance to be successful especially since they haven't been in the playoffs um since booker has been in the league essentially and basically that entire squad outside of chris paul and a few of the vets that have been added to the squad right so if you think about like last year and and Tara, I'm sure you could chime in here, but like the Blazers last year, they went into the bubble. They had a, they were under 500, I believe. Right. And so they had to like, you guys had to do a few of those play-in games. Am I correct about that? Yes. Yeah. They had to do Okay. And so what happened? I mean, Dame did his thing. Right. And so during that bubble, the Suns played great. They went eight and O in the bubble. Right. So Like last year, I get that they didn't make the playoffs, but I don't look at them as like they were a bad team. They were always like one of those fringe teams that just needed another person and they got it right. And so the core of of Phoenix has kind of been together and they added in like Jay Crowder and Chris Paul. And obviously, you know, Jay Crowder has postseason experience. Chris Paul has it. He's CP. And so, again, this comes down to who am I trusting? Am I trusting Rudy Gobert or am I trusting Chris Paul? Like I'm trusting Chris Paul, <laughs> you know? And that's just what it comes down to until Rudy Gobert and, and Donovan Mitchell prove otherwise, you know? Um, Conley does have some postseason experience. So, you know, look, I, like, I, I, look, Utah is like, it's just like LeBron said, it's very hard to root for Utah because of just who they are. But um, I like Donovan Mitchell as a player and I really would like to see 
might calmly have some success after like everything he's gone through, but I just can't believe in Utah until they show me. And I think when you need like to go to that guy and have that person, I still would believe in Devin Book before I believe in in Donovan Mitchell. And I definitely would believe in CP. And so that that's what it comes down to. Um, so th- th- that's, that's why I think that. So that's why I think that about the Suns. And that's why I think there's no chance the Warriors will miss the playoffs because if they even have to play in, I'm, I'm banking on Stephen Curry over anyone else. Um, so that's how I feel about that. You know what, Matt? I can't say anything bad about Utah. <laughs> the Utah fans hop in my DMs on Twitter and they they go at me. But Do they? I feel, oh, my goodness. You know, we go back and forth. It's real playful, but we go back and forth. Um so when I do my sports streams, when I have, I have, I do sports streams on other platforms for sports network and I have, I give Utah praise, but I'm still that, okay, I need to see something else from Utah, even though they're efficient offensively and defensively. I just don't quite believe in them because I'm not the biggest Rudy Gobert fan. I, I am just just not the biggest Rudy Gobert fan. Who is besides and, Utah fans? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's not because of the coronavirus and the shutdown. It's not even because of that. It's because, yes, he does. He guards the, the rim great. But in today's NBA, the big man has evolved so much that, A, I think Anthony Davis is probably the best big man defender in the NBA because he can guard one through five. That's just my personal opinion when he's healthy. And B, he can't guard on a perimeter. He cannot guard on a perimeter. When they put him in that pick and roll, guards make him look silly. So just imagine the what they're going to do in the playoffs. All just the imagine. Time. All the time. All if, the time. It's like, if you, that's why people don't believe in Utah. I agree with you. <laughs> but I do have a comment, even though I loathe to be a... I know I don't want to stick um, up for Utah. the jazz. Yeah, I don't like want every to. Every fiber of my body is like no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I just feel as though like the Suns. Like I don't disagree with you at all. Um, that that they last season had a great you know that eight and no stretch. The only reason why they didn't make it was because earlier in the season they you know quite frankly they sucked you know right significantly and that caused them to lose out on having a playoff berth. But I just am hesitant to say that, hey, you know, they're going to be as successful as a team like Utah, which, you know, it loathes me to say, like, honestly, it really loathes me to say this, but they actually like I feel like they are doing things that they haven't quite done during their time in Utah or, you know, during um Snyder's time as coach in Utah like they have changed their philosophy quite a bit they're not necessarily as dependent on Rudy Gobert as they you know usually are um I think the last few years uh you know Jordan Clarkson has really risen um himself uh I mean last night I was watching the Rockets uh oh you know they almost won against Utah but previous years if that happened they would have you know sort of floundered and like let go of that game so I I guess I'm never 
quite a fan of assuming that a team in their first year will get further than a first round. You know, I, I think that right. the Suns will definitely be able to get past the first round and depending on who they play, they could, you know, get to the conference finals. But I, I, I'm just very hesitant with saying like, oh, they're going to get beyond that, especially since Chris Paul has never been past the you know the Western Conference Finals other than one time and that was with you know a transitional talent um, James Harden uh, although yeah. I have feelings about him but uh, I guess the question is I I just I don't see them in this first year having that type of success like what is standing out to you that is like you know that is letting you say that, hey, this is different from any other, like, young squad who, like, in the first year sort of stumbles, even though they get a really high seed, which I'm assuming the Suns will have at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, I agree when it comes to Utah that they, first of all, they didn't have Mike Conley last year, and I think that's huge. And Jordan Clarkson is playing unbelievable. So, definitely. It's less about, like, well, one, it's just always, can they sustain this level of play? So we'll see as the season carries on, will they continue to be really good at hitting their three-pointers, right? We'll see, because for some people, this is like their first time doing it. And like, sometimes that can fizzle. Like, even if you look at a player like Clay Thompson, who people are like, oh, Clay, great. And game six, Clay. So people would probably tell you, oh, Clay is a great playoff performer because they just remember those game sixes. But Clay actually hasn't been great in the playoffs and his production actually goes down from what he does in the course of the season. So, right, the great players elevate, right? Like Steph's stats go up, Jordan's stats went up, MJ's stats go up. That's what the greats do. So it's more about Utah has to do that. And when I think of teams that win, I mean, what's the last team to really win that didn't have like, that guy like the Pistons I mean even if you want to say it was one of those Spurs teams versus the Heat like to me they still had Tim Duncan like I don't care that he was like later in his years it was still Tim Duncan's team right so but like what team have we really seen win that doesn't have like a superstar on it like you just need that guy like the person you can trust to go to and and that's not how the Spurs were playing at that time I get it I know that Kawhi won finals MVP but like it was still about Tim Duncan like you know and so I don't you know if I have to bet on Utah's best two players and people will debate you because some people actually do think Conley is like their best guard not Donovan Mitchell but if I have to bank on their two best players versus Phoenix's two best players right I believe more in the Phoenix duo. I Devin Booker to me just has that Kobe kind of not game, but that kind of mentality that I believe he's going to be able to step up and take his game to the next level in the playoffs. And it's not that I don't think that Donovan Mitchell can maybe do that. I just think Devin Booker is better at doing it. And I think CP is CP. I don't care how old he is. As long as he's healthy, I mean, look what happened after he left the Rockets, you know? I think, <laughs> and look at, he left the Rockets and look at what he went and did in OKC. So um, 
he he's had his own failures. And by the way, the fact that I'm even talking this nicely about Chris Paul, like hurts me because I can't stand them. And if I wish he wasn't on the Suns because I would root for them if he was not on the team. But because he's there, I don't want them to win either. But I just I think they're legit. And um, the other thing, too, about like young teams to me, the Suns, they're not the same, but in terms of like the narrative, to me, this is very similar to like the 15, 16, not the 15, 16, the 14, 15 Warriors when they first won their NBA championship. They won 67 games that year. People kind of were like, oh, they're a nice story, but people didn't really believe in them. In fact, after they won, let's take the fact that like, yeah, there were injuries on the Cavs, but like they won and the next season came back and they weren't even considered the they the odds were not they weren't favored to win again like the Vegas odds were not in their favor and they didn't win again but like they they ended up going back to the championship they won 73 games and that's when people kind of start to take them seriously so i get that phoenix has to do it but to me like as long as you have like a guy like that on your squad then you can do it, you know? And the difference between a team like Utah, where some people kind of liken them to some of the older Spurs squads or even the Warriors, is that to me, they don't really have that guy. Like Steph was an MVP. No player on their team is seriously in the MVP conversation. It's um, a group effort. It's a collective. So Donovan Mitchell, maybe he steps up and proves all of us wrong. And I would love that for him because he's from New York and he's a nice guy and he's great. It's not personal. I just don't believe that they, they, they have that person. So that's, that's all it comes down to. If I have to bet my money, I'm betting on CP and, and, and Devin Booker and any team they play against. Like if they have to play the Lakers, I mean, I think no one would think that's crazy that I'm going to bet on LeBron and AD. And if they have to play whatever other team, like every other team's superstar is better. And in the playoffs, in the postseason, you need that dude. You need that guy. And I don't, I don't know that this, the Utah Jazz has that person. Um, real quick, I have to say two things. One, Chris Paul had his worst season that second year. You know, the reason why he left uh, or the Rockets traded him. I mean, there's a lot of other you know cir- circumstances as well. Um, I don't necessarily think that I think a lot of people forget that, you know, the season between his time in OKC or, you know, when he was still in Houston and the you know, before he went to OKC, he had the absolute worst season of his career. And that was because of injuries. And that's my thing when it comes to the Suns is that Chris Paul up to last season has had major injuries at the most inconvenient times of, you know, during his, you know, his team's success, the Clippers, he gets hurt. The Rockets, I think everyone knows that, you know, the Rockets essentially were his hands stringing away from getting, you know, at least getting past um, Golden State, which may be controversial to you all. But um, I think that it, they were definitely a hamstring away from at least, you know, being a lot more competitive those last two games of the Western Conference Finals. And, you know, it's golly whiz, you know, he's um, healthy, but you never know at this point. I, I I don't I have trust you. in Chris Paul um, 
and I think that that's the same amount of distrust that I have with Utah because I, I do agree with you that Utah hasn't shown anything other than being like a four seed in middling, but at least they have been together and relatively see, um, speaking have been relatively healthy. So it, it's, I, I think I just put a big, huge star around Chris Paul and his like injury, you know, history. And until he shows otherwise, just like Utah, then I'm not going to give him the benefit of the doubt to get past like, you know, one or two rounds. Agree. I don't know that Chris Paul can, (laughs) I agree. That's why, like, I mean, I think I said that, but maybe I didn't. Um, It's all about whether he can remain healthy and, and I think, I think for this year, we're going to be saying that with a lot of teams, like, unfortunately, just awful. Embiid went down yesterday. He's going to be out two weeks. Who knows if that's going to linger. And in general, he deals with some injury issues. I don't know what's going on with Kevin Durant in Brooklyn. I don't know if they're just being like really, really, really cautious with him. You know, a hamstring is nothing to play with, but he's out now for a while. And while I do think Kyrie Irving and James Harden are probably a force even without Kevin Durant, I don't think they are this unbeatable team without him, right? And so, you know, I think for the Sixers, for the Nets, for the Lakers, and I think even the Clippers, because you have Paul George, who also can't stay healthy, right? And so I think it's like really coming down to injuries this year. I mean, and it kind of does every year, but I think all these teams that are like these forces, have these potential injuries looming that could really make the the postseason competitive. I'm I'm back. I'm sorry. I don't know when I cut out, guys. I just looked at my phone and I was talking to myself. So yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry, got, but I'm back. We I'm got sorry. through most of your um uh your reply to Nat, but then you dropped right at the end. Oh, okay. Because I know I talked about my love for Monty Williams and then it looks like my phone just went. Yeah, I don't oh, think yeah. you got to the Monty Williams part. I didn't okay. hear that, but I, I would I would like to see Monty win one. That would be a nice story for him. Yes, it would. And, you know, soft place in my heart I have for Monty. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. He's, oh, what an unbearable loss he had to go through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he was great. Um, he helped Kevin Durant and Westbrook a lot. Like, they talk about him and they, their eyes just light up when they talk about uh, Monty Williams and what he was able to do for their careers when they were younger. So, yeah. yeah. Um, I, can I just ask a question about the Rockets? Because I, there's a Rockets fan on here, right? Yeah, um, you can ask it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you said you weren't feeling really good about the season or I guess where things are. So one, I'd, I'm curious to know like how you feel about Silas because I thought I was really excited for that hire for you guys. I feel so like bad for him that this has to be what his first season is like there. Um, and I think it's unfortunate because Wood was playing so great and you guys haven't won a game since he, he's been out. And I really think like if he was there, you guys would have been in the playoff, you know, race. Um And so I'm just curious to get your thoughts and what you think and how you're feeling overall about the season. Yeah. So I, I agree with you. I feel as though Silas stepped into a dumpster fire essentially. And since then he has been trying to, you know, put out as much of the flames as possible, but every day there is a, 
concern that happens more recently with PJ Tucker essentially is home in Houston packing up because he's going to be traded or waived, whatever, you know, sort of happens. And of course there was the James Harden situation, uh, Westbrook left right before the preseason started and they had all the barbershop issues. Um, so it's just been a lot of drama from the moment that he stepped into the Rockets head coaching position. Um, Unfortunately, there are a lot of fans, not myself, who say that he should get fired, which is utterly mind-blowing to me. But yes, already. And I think that goes to like Reen's culture. And maybe we can have that conversation at a different time because we're uh, getting close to the end of this one. But yes, um, folks are saying that Silas should get fired. I think that's utterly mind-blowingly naive, considering that all of the injuries that have happened, he has not had a 10-men rotation or even a unit almost the entire season since um christian wood's been hurt um you know they had demarcus cousins for a while but they were you know now he's gone half of the roster including eric gordon who was playing you know extremely well for most of the season he just got hurt with the moderate groin strain and will be out for four to six weeks so i think that Silas just got you know one of the worst um, sort of roles in that he has to you know he had a, he had this expectation that oh he's going to come and maybe get one year with Chris or with um, James Harden and with West, Russell Westbrook with you know some decent rotational players you know there could have been potential especially since you know he was able to work with. Um, Luka Doncic you know so well during Luka's you know season last year and to go to this point where he's essentially teaching or not teaching well I guess teaching is part of it but coaching G League players and you know some vets who should just be on the bench but having or but they are having to play major minutes because everyone's injured it it's just not it, it, it hasn't been fair for him. And I want to give, I, I hope that he gets at least another season. It, it would be irresponsible for Tillman Fertitta, who is the owner of the Houston Rockets to, you know, let Silas go unless Silas asked for his release himself. Um, but when it comes to the Rockets, I, I think I, I have to agree with you that Christian Wood, um, Kevin Porter Jr. Who's a recent addition and um, Kevin Martin or, Um, Kenyon Martin Jr., they've all shown signs of, you know, greatness and potential. And, you know, maybe this can be one of those sneaky, you know, rebuilds where, I mean, I guess pseudo, you know, sneaky because, you know, quite frankly, they've lost 15 games in a row. But um, they they have an opportunity if they're able to keep, you know, get a bottom four lotto pick to, you know, really – get a good player this season um according to folks who actually watched the ncaa which i don't um but when they watch you know watch they say that Cade um or Cade cunningham and a few other folks look really good and look nba ready already so i don't know I, i guess the short answer is it's more because of having this dramatic change between you know having you know, quite frankly, a you know a, a perennial playoff contender, and 
be you know in having someone like james harden who for you know until recently a lot of people bashed but now can see that he is a generational talent who was just you know real extremely close to potentially winning a championship um but because of him (laughs) yeah um but i but, you know, because of hamstring and a few other things, wasn't able to, as well as, you know, hitting a wall, which is, um, you know, one of the most talented teams in NBA history. I don't call the Warriors a dynasty. I think they had a lot of things, but I'm not even going to go there. But essentially, you know, the, you know, Houston, every single season that James Harden was here, essentially lost to the team that won the championship or at least won the conference championship. That is saying something and to go from that to essentially a bottom three team in one season and not have like a made, you know, it wasn't like a downward spiral spiral per se. Like they made the second round at least almost every single season, except for one. Um, That's the part that sort of hurts a lot more and makes me a little bit disappointed. And I think it doesn't help that COVID's around and causing people to go in and out of the lineup and injuries. It's just, it's a lot of like sadness to me, but I I think that there's potential um, past this year for them to be successful again. It's just that, you know, this year's just going to be really rough until they have some semblance of a consistent rotation. May I just ask one follow-up question, Brittany? Mm-hmm. Yep. What 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 is the reason? What like why do fans think Silas should be fired? Like what? I mean, I know that it's probably like not anything rational, but what are they stating as the reason? Is it just losses? Are they putting the losses on him, or what? What's their issue with him? Yeah, they're putting the losses on him, and also saying that he isn't adding. So essentially they're saying he's not um, using a lot of plays from his playbook. Like he's simplified it, which has an obvious reason, which is because they haven't had the team to have like five, five V five practices or anything like that. Most of the season, the only time that they had a consistency, um, which was that, you know, short winning streak, relatively speaking, compared to the 15 game losing streak um, is when they were able to have a mostly healthy rotation. And I thought that Silas was able to implement schemes and other things that allowed them to be successful, but how um, it's definitely not, um, rational. I think that they're trying to find a scapegoat. I, I just hope that Tillman and other folks who actually have the ability to hire and fire folks realize that, you know, Silas got a really bad hand this season. He needs to, you know, be given enough of a chance um, to, you know, either show his he's successful or maybe it's not a good fit in Houston, but it shouldn't just be one season. Um, that's silly to me. Yeah, I agree. I mean, given the circumstances around Houston and all of that, I think that Silas deserves the benefit of the doubt, especially with everything that's been going on with COVID and that roster upheaval. That roster upheaval. I, I don't really think that's fair at all. Yeah, it's just it, it. It's a lot of silliness, and I can definitely understand what folks wanting to find someone to blame. And I think it's a lot of, you know, multiple things, um, a mixture of ring culture where people think that you have to win. And if you don't win, then, you know, there's no use in other things like that. Um, but it's, it's just unfortunate what's going on. It's, uh, I, 
I'm personally sort of frustrated, but at the same time, I, I think that, you know, whatever happens, it'll happen. And hopefully they'll be able to recover relatively quickly and have, you know, a little bit more success in the future. Do you see any similarity in Luke and Luca's game and James Harden's? I mean, absolutely. I mean, Luca is essentially the, you know, the, I the white James sort of, Harden. Yeah. The white James Harden. I've seen it too. Yeah. I, I he, I mean, he mentioned in interviews before that he modeled his game off of James Harden. His body type is very similar to James Harden. Um, I think that Luca is going to be a star and probably the next generational talent um, European player for the Mavs after, you know, he just barely, you know, missed the overlap with, uh, you know, one of the best. Mavs players which make me actually gag in, in, in history so I think that Luca is a great player like I actually do like watching him even though I despise the Mavericks um, but yeah he's essentially you know James Harden but I guess what eight to nine years younger he I mean he's really good it's just that I, I think now he's getting sort of the hate that James Harden used to get because his team is not as successful as what people are assuming they should be. And that's, that's really unfortunate. Well, I just don't like his game. I mean, he has an, he's an amazing player, but I don't like all the, the fouls, the foul nonsense. So, um, but any team, I mean, I don't, Oh God, I, I think I'm going to just, keep myself yeah, I know. We're, keep it we're, to myself because there is a lot of golden state so we obviously you know it's, it's I get it so but um yeah Luca's great I just you know people generational talents to me I people use that word loosely like for me like I feel like their games are so similar like I guess we just gotta see but I'm just like if they're both playing right now and they're so similar and they're kind of doing the same thing, are they really generational or just like really, really great players who are franchise players? I think of a generational talent more is like, I don't know, a Magic Johnson, uh, a LeBron James, like something that we've just like never seen before. But I mean, I guess when it comes to, uh, I don't even know if I want to get into the conversation because we'll probably be here for another hour. But when it comes I to- I think James, we need Nat to come back. Yeah, sure. no, we have to have another conversation. Yeah, I'm just going to drop it, but we definitely need to have a conversation about James Harden and I guess Luca and you know the definition of generational talent, especially with the- age of ring culture where folks ignore what their contributions are until it's like too late or they're in a major market but i'll just leave it be okay i would love to come back on i really appreciate you ladies having me thank you so much for coming on that and you are welcome here anytime we, we, we're gonna have to do this again <laughs> wrap it up uh, this has been another spirited uh episode for step back sisterhood I'm Janelle. You can find me at Janelle12 on Twitter and Basketball News, Shadow League, and wherever else you read stuff. <laughs> Where can we find you, Nat? Oh, yeah. I'm on Twitter as Nourished by Nat. And yes, my handle doesn't really have anything 
initially to do with basketball, although that's largely what I'm tweeting about. But I also have a second love, which is cooking. And um, if you're interested in like recipes, food, that kind of thing, I'm nourished by Nat on Instagram as well. You'll find a lot of my food there, nourished by Nat on YouTube as well. And so I do cooking tutorials and things like that. And I do tweet out the food that I make though. So I haven't done it in a while when people keep asking me and that's just because I've been working on some things behind the scenes, but it's coming back real soon. So nourished by Nat, follow me if you're interested in that. Where can we find you, Amber? You can find me on Twitter at simplyme underscore AV. And I also run the social media for the Step Back Sisterhood. So we're at Step Back Sisters on Twitter as well. Britt, what about you? You can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at Britt Robotista. Tara, what about you? And I am at TCBBIGGS on Twitter and you can also find me on the We Have a Take podcast in case you want to get uh, any blazer, any more blazer discussion. <laughs> this was really fun that I can't wait to have you back on because we have, I had a lot to say about the jazz, but my internet was going out. So <laughs> yeah, I'd love to talk. Let's more do this again. Thanks. I appreciate yeah. it. I would love to. Yeah, we're going to do this again for sure. Once again, this has been another episode of Step Back Sisterhoods. I am Janelle, and we out.